ten grand for showing up to work hungover? Get a hold of Truly. Move aside, Hazy. Session IPAs are back, and they're bitter than ever. Want to avoid selling your brewery to a conglomerate? Contract brew. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer, where our motto is, if you love something, set it free. If that doesn't work, start a podcast and bitch about it nonstop. That should do something. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. Good evening. How are you doing today? Oh, pretty good. How are you? Not doing too bad. All right. So, what did you bring us today? Uh, I brought us the uh, the running on the spot. It is the sixth um, uh, in, uh, version of the mixtape IPA from the local brewery Woodland Empire. Uh, this is, was in celebration of their sixth year anniversary. It is an IPA with cashmere, citra, sabaro, and Simcoe hops. Uh, do you know what song track? I don't. This is inspired by? I don't. If I you have Spotify, you just so, hold your camera over that on the I don't label. Have, I don't have Spotify. so Neither I do I. So. so so conceivably, if someone had Spotify, you could grab one of these cans, use your phone, and listen to the music that And there are us. wavelengths above their independent craft brewery seal, uh, and you'll see the little Spotify symbol. You hold your Spotify over that, take a picture of that, it'll pull up the song that kind of inspired the beer. Um, first of all, I'd like to point out, I'm glad it's not a hazy. I was a little bit worried about that because that would have been the third in a row. And then it would have been a trend. It really would have been a trend. And so we would just have to do hazy IPAs for the entire year. Hazy IPAs and hard seltzers. That's what this podcast would be. That's what this podcast is turning into. So, but no, it's got a nice like golden hue. Clarity is good. It's got a nice like piney tropical fruit, black tea, peach aroma. I mean, this is, in my mind, kind of a newer version of what the West Coast IPA was. Well, I mean, I'd say this is, I mean, this is the West Coast IPA with newer hops. And I'm yeah. evolving the opinion and uh, that you get more dynamic flavors from different hops. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you have your classic Citra, but thrown in the Simcoe and the Cashmere and... Cashmere is beautiful. I think oh. that's where you get in the kind of the black tea. Yep. Um, flavor I there. I haven't had any experience with the s- Sabro. Sabro. That's my my best guess as to how to pronounce it. So we'll go with Sabro. No, I nor, nor have I. I mean, I think it's just I. It, my guess it's just another like tropical fruit, new world tropical fruit hop that kind of blends well with Citra and Cashmere. So, but uh, I'm not really sure. But it's a it's it's a tasty one. Nice job, Woodland. You can continue making beer. So, in Deadpool news... We still suck. And number three for the month of January. And God help us all, at this rate, if Jeremy and I go... If we do three each month, and none of us hit, and we go 0 for 36... That's almost impressive in its own right. I mean, you'd almost have to say that you'd almost have to say almost well done for not your level. Of, our level of incompetence would be so good. <laughs> to be fair, this is an obscure one. Who who sold the who? So the newest sale is Sprecher Brewing Company sold to a group of Milwaukee investors. How did we not see that coming? Uh, yeah, no, I had no fucking clue who Sprecher <laughs> Brewing was. Uh, apparently, it's a 35-year-old Milwaukee-based brewing company, um, and it is the oldest brewing company. It is the first craft brewery in Milwaukee since Prohibition. Um, none of the details have really been released on this, except that uh, the only financial terms that were released were 
Uh, Commerce State Bank funded the debt while investors funded significant equity to make the purchase happen. Well, and really, I don't think there is much to say. From from what I understand, essentially, the owner is retiring, and he's passing it on to another uh, group of individuals who are more or less going to continue running the place as it has been run. Not really why we are at all interested in acquisitions. No, but it fell within the parameters it of did. the Deadpool. If, if one of us had somehow picked that brewery, then yes, we would. I think you, I would have just conceded. <laughs> uh, but a little couple details. Uh, Sherrod Chatta uh, brings is one of the people in the investment group. Uh, he used to work with Samsung Electronics, GE Healthcare, and Electrolux. Uh, it also includes a former Miller Coors general manager, Jim Cantor, um, who will serve Damn on it, Miller their, Coors again. Yeah, <laughs> uh, who will serve on the leadership team. Uh, the founder, like Jeremy said, seventy-three year olds looking to retire, but will maintain a stake in the business as an investor. So really, yeah, like I said, not a whole lot of consequence the only reason why we probably talking about it is we're still waiting to hit one of these on our deadpool yep and the one trend that i have kind of noticed in the article brewbound released uh chatta called the sprecher brewery a little known gem with a great future ahead of it he cited the company's portfolio which includes craft beer soda cider hard seltzer and sparkling water uh-oh, I've no- I'm noticing a trend here. I think all three of the breweries that have sold so far this year have all had a hard seltzer line. Well, it makes sense. I mean, the hard seltzers, I don't think we need to state our, were huge last year. Everyone's gearing up for them to be huge again. I mean, shit, in the first couple weeks of January, White Claw did, what, almost the 20, amount they did in 2016 uh, yeah pretty much within the first week of the year they almost hit what they did all in all of 2016 yeah um by the way that was uh the figure i saw it, it was a it was a random um so it was somebody random on twitter but they had brian d roth yeah remarked that um that it was truly and white clock combined in 2016 hit something along the lines of 37 million um, okay, and that White Claw had done tw- had done almost thirty in the first week of twenty twenty. So, I mean, knowing what we already know, it's huge. People are drinking the shit out of it, and it's not going anywhere. But that was kind of the trend I'm seeing, and so now looking back on my Deadpool, I'm like, well, shit, I need to do some research. Do, do any of the people I picked have a fucking hard seltzer line? trying to think if i'd have to pull up my list again but i don't think any of mine did yeah and i think most of these aren't like doing a big national push or regional push even it's more like they have this for the tap room or maybe a couple local stores as an option for people coming into the tap room who look and go do you guys carry white claw but yeah and you know as opposed to escorting them to the door yeah i also think that this, just from what I can remember, seems to be the most diverse lineup that a sale has had with soda, regular sparkling water, making their own cider, and then the hard seltzer. I mean, it's a pretty well established brewery. I mean it's not Yeah. I mean it's not like the traditional craft beer brewery. It's this one has been around since the nineteen fifties. 
it's a 35 year old company i think is what the article said i mean so this is so this is a little bit more on the on the line of the like the legacy breweries that survived prohibition i i feel i mean yeah. they're obviously and like at, it it seems real similar to the atwater acquisition right um except for well that was that that was miller that was more yes. what we were interested in but but the at it was like a mix of the atwater and then anderson valley yes Anderson Valley actually is probably the best. That's a better analog, yeah, yeah. Because went to a similar group, both started out, have been around for a long time. Not a huge name, but a solid name. So there we go. We are the third acquisition, and it's not even February yet. Or at least as of recording. When this comes out, it's going to be February. All right. Session IPAs are a thing again news now. God Um, damn it. I thought we were done with these, but... So wait, hold on. Flashback to last week's episode, or was it two weeks ago, where we where I went on my just explosion on Paps for the first beer they're releasing is basically a fucking session IPA. Correct. And now it's starting to be a Paps might be weirdly brilliant. Um, <laughs> this article comes from the Beer Street Journal. It's by Reed Ramsey. Um, uh, Bell's uh, Brewing out of. Um, out of well, where the hell are they from? I'm suddenly Michigan. forgot. Thank you, Michigan. Uh, they're known, of course, for their two-hearted ale. Um, it's actually currently considered the best beer in the United States by the readers of Zymergery for the last what two years, three years. Yeah, uh, they took the took the uh, title from Pliny the Elder, but apparently, um, Bell's Two-Hearted has a little brother that nobody really has really talked about until recently, uh, up until actually this summer when social media blew it up. Motherfucker. <laughs> um, apparently, uh, uh, Two-Hearted had a little brother that nobody really talked about until this summer when uh, social media blew it up. Um, it is uh, 110 calorie, 3.7% ABV. Uh, it's the uh, Bell's Lighthearted. Um, Which I have seen, like, little inserts here and there on the Bell's Lighthearted. It's apparently... Uh, uh, it is apparently now. Uh, uh, Bell's announced uh, this week that it's going to get its own line of cans, and the it's going to join their wider distribution network. Previously, only really, uh, really uh, um, available at, at the tap room, but it's going to be distributed much wider. It's made with Galaxy and Centennial hops, and it's basically being marketed as uh, as for those seeking a quote unquote healthier alternative to the regular craft beer. So, real quick, did it. In this article, did it tell you the IBUs on it? It did not say it tell you IBUs, no. Because, at least from what I've heard so far, it's almost to me seeming like the healthier pale ale that people are pushing. Not so much a session IPA, but a lower alcohol, healthier, uh, low-cal pale ale, kind of like a... Firestone Walker is doing with their Flyjack. Uh, New Belgium is doing one as well. And I think Deschutes is doing their Wowza. Well, you pretty much did this entire article for me. All right, cool. <laughs> Ed, we're done here. Uh, this has been It's All Beer. If you want to if, if you wanna come in here and just go ahead and just do my article for me, uh, you can <laughs> do, do it half. In my defense, I had not read that article. It's just seeing it in the marketplace. Uh, but it's actually funny you mentioned that. I, uh, I had a brief, uh, um, um, the Better on Draft Beer podcast 
Uh, also tried uh, uh, was also nice enough to uh, get a hold of us on Twitter and uh, and hi guys, listened to a couple of your episodes so far. I, I dig it. Um, they pointed out that it's more of a low calorie option uh, than like a session IPA, but I'm saying we're talking about lower ABV. Is there really a difference? Um, yeah, it's session IPAs. No one ever branded the calories, so do we really know? Right. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I was kind of looking into it. The reviews on Untapped kind of tell the story. You kind of scroll through the reviews, and it's basically like, is it as good as Too Hearted? No. But for a beer you could almost have legally sold in Utah until they repealed the 3.2 law. Which hurt sales and uh, beer sales in southeastern Idaho because of that. <laughs> good, I guess. But, um, no, it's not that good, but is, is it, could it get you through a day? Possibly. Um, yeah, and as Tyler uh, mentioned, Bell is joining the lineup of a bunch of other breweries doing a healthier alternatives. Um, Lagunitas Daytime IPA. It actually came out um, way back in 2010 and got lumped into the uh, uh, Session IPA craze. And was, the daytime? Or? Yeah. Really? Yep, found that in, a, in a, an article in the Washington Post. I thought that was a new... It, and so, I tried that, and I was like, "This isn't bad." So here's the thing, though, um, is from what I from this for this article in the Washington Post, I found, um, yeah, it first emerged on 2010, and it kind of was ignored because it kind of came in on the tail end of the session IPA craze, and so it kind of had a brief moment, and then they kind of walked it back. Also, in 2010, I wasn't of legal drinking age; I was graduating high school, so I guess I could have missed that one. But I mean, the point is. Is that it's been out around for a while. Um, it was originally marketed as a session IPA, and then it's kind of been like they've either like barely made it or kept it a brew release thing or something like that. And then now they're rolling it back out again, branding it as it was a session. Now they're just branding it as a low calorie IPA. Okay. Which again, spot the difference. Um, and it's, I can tell you the difference. A low-cal IPA can actually be drinkable and not just kick you in the back of the throat and rape your throat with bitterness. Um, Dogfish Head um, saw a boost from their Sequench uh, from Men's Health. Uh, the Men's Health named, the, named that beer the best low-calorie beer in 2017. So they responded by creating the Slightly Mighty Low-Cal IPA. Which I've seen that one, never tried it. But. Um, again, we talked about Pabst. They might be kind of brilliant with their 4.5 IPA. GT Wharton on the Full Pint blog this week rated the top six low-calorie IPAs. Um, and this this article came out the, uh, just a few days ago. Um, Oscar Blues's 1E, Odell's Good Behavior, Deschutes Wowza. Um, he put them all together. His opinion that Wowza won hand, hands down. Which I know we can get that. So maybe next week we need to try some of that on here and see... How much of a session IPA it really would be, uh, because I know at the real fancy Albertsons, not too far from your house, they have a nice little floor stack of kind of locale craft beer. Oh, good God. <laughs> or locale beer, basically, but, is the floor stack, and so it has like the St. Archer Gold, has Daytime, it has Wowza, it has Flyjack, and I'm like, and he... I was talking to the guy who works there, and he's like, actually, since we've done this, he's like, we've seen a boost in all these, now that we have this little floor display of them. But you always do. I mean, that's kind of what, you know, yeah. the, the floor displays draw people's eye, and except that's why you that's why you do them, and that's why breweries compete so hard 
well, distributors rather, compete so hard to get space for those. I mean, they because they do fucking work. Um, but I guess yeah, I, I kind of originally l- looked into this, going, oh shit. Um, I mean, does this mean a resurgence in session IPAs? I guess my, actually now my question is, I mean, are they the same? Because to me, what you're talking about is low ABV. And do you think there do you think there is a change in the critical formula, like how they're approaching these? I think so. I think at least did, from I, did, my, my perspective okay. is session IPAs. When I was first getting into craft beer, you wanted basically the IPA same IBU, but lower alcohol. Now it's more getting kind of bastardized, where it's a session IPA and a hazy IPA fornicated and the kid came out clear low alcohol but low bitterness that's i think th- i think that's the uh, the the craft beer uh, uh equivalent of a bastard love child yes um i mean i well i guess that's good news because they, that means they they learned something because my biggest my biggest complaint about session ipas when they were a big thing was good god they all just taste like hop water I mean, they just taste like... They, and you can't taste anything else. They're, they're thin. They're, you know, there's no It was no like mul- the delicious IPA. It was terrible. <laughs> we should get some delicious IPA, too. Well, wait, we have to wait till you lose the Deadpool, and then you have to drink <laughs> one, if you remember correctly. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, no, they're, they're thin, watery. I mean, I guess I didn't think about that. And if they're approaching it differently and saying, okay... And, well, there's the other thing. I think maybe Session IPAs... Around that time, because their their heyday was about 2010 to about 2014, 2015, that was when they kind of started dying out. Um, but there was a time when every brewery had at least one. They were basically the hazies of the time. Well, for a while, they were branded as extra pale ales. Right. And then that died off, and then Session IPA came out around the time that both you and I were working at the homebrew store together at least in the Treasure Valley market. Right. And they were and they yeah, basically every brewery was was handing you here's our session IPA. I'm like, "Oh, fucking god." Cuz I I will never forget 21st Amendment had their one. I can't remember what fucking oh, beer it was. Oh shit. And it was an extra pale ale and it did really well and then it died and then the session IPA started to hit and they did the same exact fucking label. They just changed extra pale ale to session IPA, and it took off again. I mean, so I guess what we might be seeing is the third incarnation. I didn't even think I forgot completely about extra pale ale. That that brief thing, I kind of just chalked that up. So to I the, almost wonder in 2010 if daytime came out as an extra pale ale. So I guess how many fucking times are we going to do low alcohol IPAs? And are they? I mean, is there? Do they ever work? Are we going? Is do, have we have we finally learned something? Honestly, and I think next week I'm going to bring some Wowza. Just let's do. Yeah, there we go. Let's, maybe bring some Wowza and some Flyjack and just see. We might as well. You can. We can. We, you can bring three or four because it's not like we're going to get drunk off the fuckers. And because I have, in theory, I have liked the idea of a session IPA. It's. They just never tasted good. There's some. There are some I good ones. I love pale ales because it's a lower alcohol IPA that is still balanced, and especially like when I'm bartending, I don't want to drink a seven eight percent beer while I'm bartending. I mean, there 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 have been a couple. I mean, I had forgotten about Twenty First Amendment and. That was a call, but I can remember. I can there's see, a monkey on the label. Yeah, there, there's a monkey hanging out on the label. I love Went in an astronaut suit. Right. And so, um, I forget the name of it, but that was actually a good one. 
Um, you know what? And to this day, the all-day IPA from Founders comes to mind. They can't do PR or basic, you know, identified skin pigmentation worth of shit. But they can do a... a, a, a <laughs> Best session IPA I've ever had. I mean, but it it, 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 it is nice because it it's light and drinkable, but... Um, and you still get some hop characteristics, and actually, but it's not too much. And, and actually, I recently had um, a, a blonde ale that Mother Earth did as a special release. Oh, their Hoppy Blonde? Yeah, the Hoppy Blonde, which was essentially a session IPA or a low-calorie IPA, whatever you want to call them. But again, about – it was in the 4% range, somewhere between 4 and 5. Really nice, light, flavorful, a lot of hop flavor, but not terribly bitter. So like, I'm like, if you can get a balanced, like real hop forward, 3.5% alcohol beer, that's a ton of late additions, real just floral aroma, nice, almost kind of juicy taste. It's going to sell like wildfire. And so I guess then bring up the next question. So one of the big reasons that session IPAs eventually went away was that was just the sheer economics on the consumer side. You're going through your grocery store. Um, you see a six pack of a four percent ABV IPA for nine ten bucks a six pack. You see another six pack at six percent, same price. You go for that one. Are we going to be able to get over that? The simple economics of that. I think that's why we've had so many reincarnations of the session IPA, basically because, and I think why it will continue is basically. You get a couple of years out, you kind of forget about that. Go, ah, oh, man, I really want something a little lower. And then it'll come back in some new form. It's the same way. Why do people still buy growlers? They do? <laughs> Rarely, but... I mean, the, the, the idea is kind of nice. I, I, and it's like a very... it's a For me, getting a growler is a weird, like, I'm going to get a growler and play video games. I don't know why that's a thing yeah, for me. But at, the growler is a higher price point. For less beer than a six-pack usually is. Yes. So, it's kind of along that lines where I think once people start to realize it, it'll die off. Once people forget, it'll rise back up. Well, and, the, and I'm looking at this also as, you know, craft. I mean, we're still... I, I think craft is trying to f- figure out how best to deal with the, white claw, the summer of White Claw. You know, the summer of Seltzer. Um, people... People, you know, the consumers have clearly said, hey, we want, I mean, you know, as dumb as it sounds, healthier alternatives to this. And it's lower calories, sure. And I think people are responding to that. And, I mean, there is still that growing trend of craft loggers mm-hmm. where a lot of those aren't being branded as low-cal options. But I guarantee if you ran the numbers... Well, they are just by, I mean, let's, so, I mean, we... By virtue of being 4% or 4.5%. I mean, bottom line, most of your, most of your calories from beer come comes from, from alcohol. alcohol. So, yeah, if you have, low, you know, a lower ABV, it's going to be low, fewer calories because that's, the you know, with, you know, especially with, I mean, some stouts usually contain some residual sugars and carbohydrates yeah. and proteins. They're um, more malt-forward beers. And so Your a crisp, lot, easy drinkers are going to be yeah. So so some of them come with extra baggage, but even even a porter or stout, most of the calories I think are still alcohol. So you reduce the ABV and you you, yeah. you do that. But it so I think part of that is people are just now starting to brand it that way. But that's been a growing trend because people still have the slight palate fatigue and. On a 110 degree Boise day, 
Sometimes you just want something you can pound five of. <laughs> fair. You want something watery. Well, fair. But um, I don't know. I think it's, it's going to be... It's, this will be an interesting category to watch this summer, um, especially as everybody's scrambling to do something about White Claw and the other hard seltzers. Um, I th- I still, still somehow feel that we're going to come to the same realization again that says... Uh, no, I think a 4% IPA is still a bad idea. I think so, Well, if I had to place money on it, I'd say in about five years, we get another reincarnation. I mean, here's, I mean, here's the, the, the key thing. Um, trying to craft a light, hoppy beer requires a little bit of finesse. And a lot of precision. And precision and skill that I think breweries just trying to jump in on the trend are not going... They're going to go, wait, I'll just throw in less grain in the same hop bill? Yeah. And I think that's why Founders has been so successful, is they crafted this beer to be a year-round beer when this trend was kind of dead, and we're like, you know what? We kind of like this style. We're going to make a tweak so it fits us, and did it. This is something we like to drink. We're going to push it out to everyone. And then, now that the trend's coming back, it's blowing up. Yeah. Although, they, I mean, I, I didn't see a lot for uh, uh, mentioning the all-day IPA. But, yeah, I mean, same. But it is well, the same thing. I, I saw some fact talking about Founders 15 packs. And, more importantly, the 15 packs of their all-day IPA have been such a huge success for them. They have got to where they are because of the 15 pack. All right. And I'll see if I can find that article and we yes. can talk about it in a later podcast. But anyway, um, yeah, I guess the, 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 the moral of the story is, um, I mean, we're, and we're still not done with breweries like pursuing Michelob Ultra. So it's, you know, the newly rebranded light IPAs and or low calorie IPAs are an extension of that. So, again, I feel like it's the it's it's a style to watch this summer and see how how they do and yeah we'll have to grab us some some of these and see how yeah they fare and i'm more curious to see how they do next year in january than how they do june july and august because june july and august they'll do well fair how's it gonna do when it starts getting a little bit colder can it maintain a year-round status like let's be honest white claw is not a hard seltzer. It is a br- lifestyle brand. Every time you say lifestyle brand, you make me sad, Tyler. But it it's true. It's a brand that sets a trend <laughs> where Bud Light Seltzer is a fucking hard seltzer. And White Claw has eliminated all seasonality on hard seltzer. I just, I'm, I'm still like, I'm, I'm still very sad about the idea of like a white claw uh, uh, lifestyle. It just, it seems like a sad way to live. Be sad, Jeremy. I already am. All right, Tyler. <laughs> I was going to say, all right, Tyler, uh, make me happy now. Uh, well, I'm truly going to disappoint you by talking about white claw's biggest competitor. You know what? This has been It's All Beer. Um, <laughs> this is going to be the end of this podcast forever and always. It's now It's All Seltzer. It's, we are all, it's all Seltzer now. Okay, tell me about uh, tell me about Truly. So, Truly is running a promotion for the Super Bowl. I mean, that is kind of the biggest advertising holiday 
in America and specifically alcohol advertising. And fun, fun enough, it's when Bud Weiser decides to pick a fight with uh, their, their their newest uh, target of choice. Yeah. Last year, Miller Coors. I mean, to a certain extent, you know, there was a Super Bowl that... They feed us content all year long. It was kind of the, that, that Super Bowl commercial last year that got us to start get serious about doing this podcast. We were like, well, we've got a story to start off with, so let's, let's start there. Yeah. Well, the... A little backstory on some stuff. So, typically, the day with the most call-in six to work is the day after Super Bowl. It's not a national holiday. Most banks or government employees don't get it off. So, most people get drunk, watch Super Bowl, eat way too much shitty food, and then call in on Super Sick Monday. (laughs) Uh, So, Vine Pair released an article... uh, Talking about how Truly will pay you $10,000 to go to work after the Super Bowl. There are a couple caveats here. Alright, hit me. Do you have to drink Truly? From everything I can see, no. Perfect. Uh, so, Truly's contest aims to buck the trend of people calling in sick the next day after Super Bowl. Uh, they aren't officially tied to the NFL, uh, but... Their whole thing is the day of the Super Bowl, you have to reach out to them on their Twitter and document your evening of drinking on the Super Bowl and then reach out to them the morning after on Twitter while at work using the hashtag, hashtag truly and rally. Uh, at the end of that day, it will pay $10,000 to one lucky fan who rallied through the Monday and showed up to work. That's the only stipulations. Doesn't say whether it had to be drinking truly. I'm assuming they want you drinking I mean, truly. I, they'll probably, well, you know, they'll probably sort through those pictures, and the you know the top contenders will be the ones that display display truly prominently. They'll probably randomize it and be like, drinking truly. Nope. 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 Okay. That there guy. we go. That 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 dude. That. That that that's sad. Or that a, lady, or uh, I mean, statistically, I think that lady. But you know, yeah. only by only by about a, a one out of four margin. I feel eh, probably one to two or one for one. God damn it! <laughs> but yeah, uh, crazy fact: over seventeen point five million workers are expected to miss work on the Monday after Super Bowl. Perfect. <laughs> so. The I, I I suppose as as someone who, who I, a I don't work on Monday, which is <laughs> <laughs> makes it a bit, bit of a bitch for me. Um, um, yeah, it's 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 a fun little promotion. Um, it is. It it takes into a very big culture piece. I feel in America sports culture, where a lot of people are like, ah, oh, the Monday after Super Bowl should be a national holiday. Let's take it off. And I feel they take that. And go, hey, no, we get it, but a lot of you are going to drink too much, have a lot of fun enjoying the Super Bowl, and then just power through work tomorrow. You should get rewarded. We're going to reward you. Drink our shit. I really, really hope they, like, it's not completely random. I really, really hope that besides not only looking for truly product placement, 
they find the most torn up looking motherfucker that they can find on Twitter. I mean, like, I want, I want to find the backstory of the person who wins this, and I want them to like black out before <laughs> halftime, destroy their Super Bowl party, end up at a bar, get kicked out of the bar for breaking something, get kicked out of a cab, wake up in a gutter, and then have to. Uber to fucking work the next morning in the tattered clothing. I mean, I can see why you don't want to, you know, make that the the stipulation because you don't want to reward that behavior. But at the same time, I do that want... That person needs some help. <laughs> I, I do want the after picture to just, like, just to be that face, that, you know, that hungover face of just barely warmed over death, that... <laughs> that wished they were dead because it would feel better than what they I, are. Exactly. The, 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 that what I'm going to your... look like at the end of my bachelor party? I, <laughs> I'm looking forward to having that across the table for me. Just be like, how you doing, Tyler? Things good? <laughs> Just vomit on your office computer and... But, um, no, I really want them just like that, just that look on your face, their face going, I just won 10 grand. And it's the still- most sad winner of 10 grand you will ever see, just because it'll be like, I won 10 grand. I had to answer a phone call to accept it. Like, kill me now. Uh, That'll be the funny part. They call. They call him to announce he won, that he won. And he shut. He had shut off his phone. And is just sitting in his office, going, "I hate my life. I hate my life." I mean, they'll probably tweet out who won, and so we will have to see next week. We'll have to look at Truly's social media and see if we can find who won. Um, I guess what I'm saying is, um, Truly, do the right thing. Find the person who really, really earned it, and we will be watching. <laughs> do what's right. All right, how to survive the collapse of craft beer news now? Have a hard seltzer. Apparently. Well, besides that. (laughs) Besides that. I think uh, 2019 was a huge wake-up call for the industry. The fact that uh, such hugely popular, well-known regional and even national powerhouses, talking about Dogfish Head, uh, New Belgium was like a huge one, um, to a lesser extent Founders, um, all had to... And even lesser extent, Ballast Point. <laughs> well, Ballast Point had already been passed around, like, a, a joined at a Grateful Dead concert. <laughs> I mean, they had already they had already succumbed. But yeah, I mean, to... I, no, I don't... You know, I'm not going to put Ballast Point in there, because that was just weird from the get-go. But anyway... <laughs> no, the point is that, you know, you had these... They, they seemed so stable, and I'm especially talking about New Belgium. Uh, they had to They had to give up their independence and, you know sell to a different company just to keep themselves afloat and some you know like legacy brands i'm talking thinking like bridgeport here just shuttered yeah just finally faded away altogether and i think it uncovered something that was sort of hidden and that's the fact that the landscape pretty much changed and it happened really quickly but strangely stealthily that it's kind of amazing and it wasn't so much as a change as like a promise made and then like a promise kept because one of the selling points for craft beer um, has always been like the local nature of it. You know, local businesses using local ingredients to sell beer locally to local people who local harder than any local has ever looked to call. But I just thought of an analogy for hit me. It is the alcoholic equivalent of the 2008 housing bubble to a certain extent yes because it's all these breweries 
that started off, they were the legacy brand, they were the only game in town, they were only game two states away, they expanded, expanded, because there was all this sales, and all the banks were like, yes, take our money! I mean, you know, without the with without the evil, yes. I think, I mean, there's... A certain- and then they go, the banks go, hey, uh, we need our money back. And they're like, but the sales really took a dip. And now they have to find the money from somewhere. I mean, so, I mean, what, I was sort of like that. What, I mean, the way I look at it is that they didn't expect something that they should have been expecting because they were... You know they they were they were pushed as well. You're like we're a local brewery that you know does local things. We sell to the states, but they weren't. But you know they didn't take a take a moment to realize that the local nature of it was going to affect them sometime. You know even as they're building these huge facilities, and that did come back to bite them. And it's kind of in retrospect, I'll build a little bit like that. You kind of want to go. Did none of you like stop and like see how if we keep adding all this equipment and keep taking it. I mean, it's loans. Not, Eventually, it, we're going to have to pay the piper. Well, that it's that, and you know, it's not like they didn't notice all these other local breweries starting up. It's not like they didn't notice that they're going to be get you know that the that the 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 amount the percentage of the total market that craft beer had wasn't slowing. They almost got a little big beer in their mind. Where they're like, oh, these little guys won't affect us. Kinda. I mean, but not, but not in a, a malevolent way. Just kind of like, no. oh, isn't that, isn't that adorable? Oh, we don't have to worry about them. They don't compete on our level. But, um, but I mean, the thing is, is that consumers were paying attention to that hype about you know staying local, and they were and that's where their money was going, and you know they're they were going to their neighborhood tap room, and a lot of these much larger breweries that expanded to these huge facilities found themselves with empty tanks sagging sales and a shit ton of debt to buy it all um so what does a brewery do if they don't want to end up as budweiser's newest bitch with the high end rammed up their bunghole and the answer it turns out might be in san diego or at least it might be an interesting case study this uh this article comes from danny full pint on the fullpint.com and um the answer might be contract brewing Contract brewing, if you're not familiar with the idea, is basically this: um, it's when a it's when another entity brews their beer at someone else's facility. Perfect example: a bigger brewery that has that expanded too quick and has those empty tanks. Absolutely, now has a way to help pay back that loan. Contract brewing has always had a weird stigma for some reason that I'm not really sure I understand. Um, I think a lot of it. There's a there's a legitimately legitimacy issue to it, um, I and think, a lack of locality uh, to a certain extent. But I think I I, I I every once in a while I'll see like a review or something about a beer made by a contract brewer that's kind of shit or that or is perceived to be, and they say, well, what do you expect from a contract brewer or something like that? And I I can't help but wonder if like I don't know like I wonder if people are imagining like least fly by night operations where a group of brew hobos let's call them brobos <laughs> or brubos <laughs> wow these brubos roll into town they buy their way into a brew system they produce infected swill and they leave with neither a fuck to be had nor given i leave on a band of kegs <laughs> i i that seems to be what people are kind of afraid of and, and on the other side the 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 
the facilities that allow contract brewing are almost like seen as like selling themselves out somehow. Um, just letting the brewbos in to ruin everything. But I I totally get that, and there is that super bad stigma. But then what's really odd is if you get people looking at McKellar, notorious gypsy brewer. Right. Like how they changed the name. Uh, but yeah, one of the most famous exclusively contract and brewers And beer ever. nerds scramble over their fucking beers. They are, I don't know, they're almost the exception that proves the rule. I mean... And then the other would be Sam Adams. Yeah, which famously started contract. Contract brewing, took off... They are just now getting ready to open their first ever Boston I saw that. tap room. Which is, which is I, you kind of go, wait a minute, Sam Adams never had a tap room? And you're like, eh. <laughs> uh, no, they really haven't. Um, but, um, I don't know, San Diego got uh, hit especially hard um, by this, you don't want to call it a bubble, but I don't have a better word for it. Um, I mean, San Diego has always had like an epic brew scene. It's only gotten bigger. The amount of breweries has expanded almost exponentially. And with all this competition, it's hitting like it's hitting a bunch of very big legacy craft beer brands in that uh, in that area hard. And um a lot of them spend a lot of money, especially around 2015 to to make these uh, like these huge facilities and then found themselves underwater. Um the um, uh, one in particular, um, uh, Alesmith, um, in 2015, they started off with a uh, a 30 barrel, uh, three sorry, 30,000 barrel system, um, and they moved to a 150,000 barrel system. Damn. Um, yeah, this is this is a little. I mean, the numbers on this one by our local and sensibilities. That's, that's capacity, right? Right. That's capacity. Not so much a system, but yeah, yeah. that's the that's their fermentation capacity. Um, in a year, they've uh, they've been kept afloat by letting Stone produce b- batches of Arrogant Bastard um, at their facility while uh, while their canning line was put in. Uh, Modern Times has also used their facility to keep up with their core production on t- on when when uh, when demand got a little bit bigger than they could produce. Um, Green Flash was featured in this article, and Green Flash is just an absolute shit show. <laughs> That has been declared dead at least three times. I feel like I've heard them, like, that they've gone out of business at least twice. Yeah. But they are like, just put another bullet in the head and it should be dead. They're still limping along. In 2011, they bought a new facility to step up their production from 14,000 to 100,000 barrels. Along the way, they bought Alpine Brewing. And I did not know this. They tried to open up a secondary uh, uh, tap room in, of all places, Lincoln, Nebraska. Well, that would have been a third tap room, if I remember correctly. So they were trying to open one up in, I want to say it was Virginia Beach. Trying to. They didn't actually. They actually opened up this tap room in Lincoln. Okay. Well, the one in Virginia Beach, they had the land purchase, got the because that was going to be a secondary production facility right. as well. Got that, and then they all collapsed down, and I remember seeing it on, like, Brewbound or something, that it was for sale, and seeing it on a couple other forums that it's for sale, and I'm like, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Um, they actually did open this. Um, it's not. It's no longer there. I know. I was shocked, too, that the Green Flash Tap Room in fucking Lincoln, Nebraska... 
Still not as shocked about the Lagunitas summer camp in Nebraska. Um, that's even weirder, but we will we have to go back and <laughs> talk about that one another day. Uh, we already did. Um, but uh, they're basically about about 2016, they had collapsed to the point where all they had was that 100,000 barrel system and a heart full of crushed dreams. But they've weirdly been leaning on their Alpine brand, which is proving to be much more resilient than their parent company. Um, and they are um, they are basically now, among other things, they're brewing uh, Latitude 33 at their facility, which is weird because Latitude 33 was a brewery that bought their original facility down in Vista, California. Um, that facility they sold to a kombucha company and they moved their production into into Green Flash's facility. Oh wow! So I mean, essentially, what you have is about three breweries sharing a studio apartment. <laughs> it's a hundred thousand barrel system, so maybe it's like three breweries sharing a four bedroom house. But you get you, you get the you get the a- a- analogy. Um, and they also brew. Um, they also produce a, 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 a beverages for Two Roots Brewing, which uh, specializes in non alcoholic and cannabis infused beverages. Um, Mission Brewing, much like Green Flash, a brewery that everybody thought was dead um, and assume so. Actually, three years ago, they uh, launched a crowdfunding campaign to try to keep business alive, um, which basically most investors pretty much said, well, okay, well, that's the end of them forever and always. Um, but somehow against all odds, they've remained alive. It's less clear, but the 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 author at the full pint says it's probably contract brewing. In this case, the details are more obscure. Um, the full point report reports that their own anonymous sources, um, in you know, in, in strategic places inside the operation or you know, in places of knowledge, say that they do a lot of brewing for brands like Trader Joe's or Costco or big restaurants that want to have a house brand. Um, so, bottom line, which technically is illegal in Idaho. It, yeah, it's not. It's illegal in Idaho, but it's not. But yet, those brands are still sold in Idaho. It, That's where the whole ABC laws get funky. Say, bottom line, if you see a beer that's like a house brand, like, and they didn't mention. I mean, they said a brand like Trader Joe's. I don't know if that's actually, but if you have like a like a supermarket brand or a specialty store brand or something, you know, a house brand that says brewed in San Diego, there's a better than average ch- chance you're drinking Mission. So like beer. the Kirkland craft beer. Yeah, if you if it says brewed in San Diego, I think it does. There's a decent chance that that is yeah that you're drinking Mission uh, Mission Brewery there, and um and then there's Coronado um uh basically the same story 2015 um they brought a huge facility on you know on, you know on uh, after winning a whole bunch of awards at GABF uh, that year um same same story. Up to their uh, eyeballs in debt, um, but they're using their excess space to give a smaller operation a leg up in the market. Um, they are actually uh, uh, partnered with Resident Brewing, um, and the reason this is probably most interesting is because I th- it's interesting that newer brands are paying attention and not making the same mistakes, especially if you're in a in a city where there are empty tanks and the owners are desperate for a little bit of extra money. You don't need to spend that capital. And so the industry is evolving 
and the the and and younger newer breweries are watching what what happened and they're being very careful with their money um the they understand that the huge explosive growth that defined the early 2000s you know double digit percentages are is over and you know partly by feeding on the corpses of their older counterparts uh they're not making the same mistakes and so the uh you know circle of life there and it does mean that a few brands, maybe someday we'll see some green flashback up here. I'm not holding my breath, but... <laughs> nope. Uh, it is kind of nice because Idaho just recently, last year, I know the Brewers Guild here in, t- in the state, pushed to have it clearly defined that contract brewing is legal. Here are the parameters of it, and you can start contract brewing in the state of Idaho. I mean, it's it seems like it's... I mean... It, it seems almost like a natural progression. I mean, why, especially if you're trying to start up a brewery, it, you know, get the extra, you know, trying to spend that capital and, and go in like a mil, huge million dollar investment or whatever you need to do seems, or a million dollar loan, I should say, especially in this crowded market is almost, you're, you're, you're not going to be able to get in. Yeah. And oddly enough that you talked about this, I saw a good beer hunting week or two ago, had an article that they posted talking about Montucky. Oh, the Montucky cold. Yeah, okay. Montucky cold snacks. Uh, blowing up in popularity lately in the markets they're distributing in. Specifically, Montana, their home state, and Arizona. Sure, why not? Uh, but if you don't know about Montucky, started by two guys that went to college. They wanted to open a brewery. Just got out of college found out that no bank was going to give them the million half million dollars to build a brew house then they found out about contract brewing and they were like oh this actually makes it better Mm -hmm. uh their whole thing was they were super into outdoors uh had a lot of friends that were like fishing guides or rafting guides or skiers snowboarders um and so they actually were like okay well, a lot of those people don't have a ton of money to spend on the higher-priced craft beers. Let's do just something easy drinking, basically make a domestic, but brand it differently, and 8% of all of our sales go back to local charities. Right. Give back, help out. Found a brewery out in Wisconsin to contract brew, and we're like, awesome, this works better because we can focus all our efforts on branding and marketing. Did that up, did kind of the retro ski looking cans, price super cheap, started off a little slow, and then all of a sudden it started taking off. Mm -hmm. They always had good sales, but now it's getting awesome. And so to me, the fact that this is starting to pick up traction, and then you see this article about contract brewing, it's hopefully starting to remove some of the stigma of contract brewing. I mean, it's it's a thing that can and probably has definitely gone wrong. But I mean, that's it's the 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 concept is not is is not you know inherently um, uh, is not inherently to blame. I mean, you know, a shitty brewery that has their own the has their own equipment is going to produce shitty beer as much as they're going to produce it if they don't. And you know, that's you know the. the Owning the stuff doesn't necessarily add any legitimacy to it. So yeah, um, yeah, it's um, and I'm just happy to see that again. Green Flash is really still a thing. Yeah, 
I, I had heard it was limping along, but I wasn't ever sure. Well, I've got it on the... If, if, if uh, the full pint's to be uh, believed, it's still there. And well, good for them. They're still making beer. Maybe not their own. <laughs> it's a little bit It's a little bit weird they're making the beer for the people that bought their original brewery, but there you go. Well, gotta do what you gotta do to keep the lights on. All right. Tyler, anything else today? Nope. That about wraps it up for me. Um, I actually have, do have one uh, uh, thing I wanted to add um, uh, on our... Uh, on our story last week, um, I was talking about um, uh, Liberati was a uh, well, it, uh, is a specialty shop that sold uh, uh, wine beer hybrids exclusively. Um, Cody got in touch with me. Cody's uh, uh, sent us a few stories recently. Um, it's actually a brewery, and he went down there when he was in Denver. They pair grape varietals with different beer, and uh, he, he was he's kind of up on it. So it makes more sense that it wasn't just, just a bottle stuff. shop. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's actually a brewery. Which I'm like, okay, that makes a lot more fucking sense. So anyway, all so, right. Thank you for that clarification, Cody. And uh, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for keeping up with us. Um, anyway, so this has uh, been It's All Beer. As always, uh, you can get a hold of us on uh, Twitter. We're at It's All Beer One. Uh, we've got Instagram. We post pictures of our, of our the beer we're drinking, um, and you know the beer Tyler, the the the, the paps that Tyler is drinking. <laughs> You're not gonna get me on that yet. <laughs> it is surprisingly better than you would think. Alcoholic you, I don't know if I could do more than about one can. Uh, and we're on Facebook, and of course, you can send us articles and tell us why and how we're wrong uh, on email. We're uh, uh, it's uh, uh, it's all beer at gmail.com. and of course, uh, leave us a review. I always forget to like do something beforehand. We still have like two or three uh, Coors Edge beers that have been sitting kind of in my <laughs> refrigerator that uh, that we promise to chug uh, if we get a five star review. Um, so, uh, yeah, put up a five-star review and, uh, specify that you want Tyler to chug it, because the last time he got one, he, like, sipped it like a little bitch. <laughs> hey, I found a loophole, motherfucker. It was almost worth <laughs> sipping it. I should have just chugged it. So, uh, yeah, leave us a review. Tyler will chug a Coors Edge. And, uh, that'll be all from us. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm gonna have a beer. Have fun. Have fun.